This is Next Question with IGNS. I'm your host, Rachel Coletta. In today's episode, we are going to discuss professional boundaries and boundary violations. And our guest for today is Iris Hall. Iris is the Director of Clinical Education at Option One Pharmacy. Her responsibilities include developing educational materials and training programs for clinical staff, new patients, and home health agencies. Iris has over 34 years of experience, which includes OBGYN and newborn nursery hospital practice, pediatric hospital-based practice, home health, hospice, public health, and she has over 20 years of home infusion experience. Iris is an immunoglobulin certified nurse and is on the IGNS Educational Development Committee. Iris was featured on the front page in the Oklahoma's Nursing Times earlier this year, recognizing her achievements as an outstanding nurse in the medical field. Good morning, Iris. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So this is such an important topic, and I want to kind of set the scene by just giving a definition of professional boundaries. Okay. So professional boundaries are the spaces between the nurse's power and the patient's vulnerability. In all relationships between healthcare professionals and patients, there's always going to be an imbalance of power. Healthcare professionals have in-depth knowledge and access to patient-sensitive and personal information, and that will always put the nurse in the position of power. So it's important for healthcare professionals to understand the boundaries of these relationships to maintain that space that protects the privacy and dignity of patients under their care. Does that sound pretty accurate to you? It's very accurate. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is just Let's just talk about boundary violations. Let's let's talk about different types. Let's give some examples of each of those. Okay. Some of the examples we've uh, discussed would be when you're not taking care of that patient on that day as scheduled, you're thinking about them when you're not at work. You're wondering, are they getting a meal? Have they gotten their groceries picked up? Um, some of the, also the things that we discussed yesterday would be um, I asked the room, how many people have taken a, a meal by to a patient? And several nurses raised their hands. And so there are things that we do that we're trying to help, but in reality, we're harming because long term, if we're not there, if we haven't given them the resources that they need for ongoing meals, then we really haven't helped. We've hindered and maybe we have enabled them to depend on us. So thinking about them, taking them food, um, being secretive, a patient asking you to um, tell you something that they don't want you to tell someone else. We can't do that because what if they tell you that their spouse is abusing them? That's something we're held liable to report. But I think overall, we find ourselves in a position of wanting to help with anything and everything that we see that the patient might be deficient in. And I think as nurses, and especially taking care of chronically ill patients, it's really, really difficult to not form some sort of relationship with patients that you're taking care of for years and years and years. Um, and what we naturally do is we want to become a friend. Yes. We want to become a friend to our patient. And what we're when we're talking about professional boundaries, we realize that that is not a place that we need to go to with our patients. Absolutely. 
Let's talk about some other violations or some other examples of um, boundary violations. I think some examples, too, would be um, in taking care of a patient long term. Let's just say that, um, you know, the, the approach for taking care of a patient by your supervisor would be, let's do this as a team approach. But yet you as the nurse, you're changing the schedule so that you're the nurse taking care of that patient. Or maybe you're enabling that patient by saying, you know, if you call the office and ask for me, they might send me. And that's where it, it crosses that line as well. Uh, maybe even receiving gifts from that patient. Even if you move on to another company, if you're still receiving gifts and you're still interacting with that patient, that boundary has been crossed. I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. Um, I think that again, as nurses, we become protective. Yes. You know, I have said a hundred times myself and I hear it all the time. That's my patient. Yes. I don't want anyone else seeing my patient. Mm -hmm. That right in itself is a boundary violation because really these are not your patients and any other nurse should be able to go into your patient's home and give the same standard of care that you give. And by taking possession of these patients, we kind of, we want ourselves to be seen in a favorable Mm -hmm. position. We want someone to say, oh, well, Iris didn't do it like that. And Iris does this for me and Mm -hmm. Iris does it this way. It makes us feel good, but you're right. We're creating a relationship with a patient that is not allowing other care members to come in without there being some sort of tension or conflict. And we're not allowing that patient to be the patient that's, that we're focused on them, that they're the center of why we're there. So if they're only relying on us to take care of them, what happens when we're sick? What happens when we take a vacation? Then patients start manipulating their schedule. They tend to not be compliant with their therapy, and it messes with their quality of life. So yes, we, we believe in continuity of care, but what we also believe in is that uh, you should set that expectation early on. I'm going to be your primary nurse, but other nurses will come in. We have a great team of nurses. They're going to come in and take care of you when I'm not available. What the goal is that we maintain your quality of life. We maintain the schedule for your therapy, and we don't want to interrupt that for any reason. So you set that expectation early, and then that patient isn't uh, surprised when other nurses come in. Um, Let me talk about, let me see how you feel about this, Iris. What about uh, going to a patient's birthday party, or what about going to a patient's child's graduation? What about going to family events that your patient has invited you to? That is that is boundary crossing. You not only have become a friend, you start putting yourself in the position of becoming part of the family. And we are professionals that we need to draw that line. And, and we can say thank you for the invite, but we also have to know when those boundaries occur. Be open and call it like it is. I can't do that. I am your nurse. I really appreciate it. I love taking care of you and I love your family, but I believe that's something that needs to just be your family event. Absolutely. And that brings me to another kind of hot topic. What about social media? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is a big one. Uh, It truly is a big one because um, even before social media, it was very difficult for patients to be able to reach you, but some used to try. Um, and now it's so much easier. 
and you can get friended on Facebook. Uh, and that makes it very, very difficult because in a moment of someone friending you that may be a patient of yours, you may respond, wow, nice to have seen you today with your son in our infusion suite. He's looking really good. We've inadvertently broke confidentiality about what was going on in that patient slash family's life. So it's very difficult. And what we should do is uh, keep it real. Just say it. I, I can't be friends with you on Facebook, but if you do need to speak with me, you can speak with me offline. But again, you don't want to um, friend patients that you don't have a relationship with because there are some like, let's say your neighbor or someone you go to church with. If you run into them at church, they may want to talk about what's going on with them. And you have to stop that and say, hey, let's call the office. You know, we can talk about this on Monday when I'm in the office or during business hours. But let's not talk about that here at church. But again, on social media, it's very difficult and you can cross that boundary very quickly. Also, what about pictures on social media? I mean, these are things that are so, this social media is so prevalent in our lives today. And these are things that we do probably hundreds of times a month posting Mm -hmm. pictures. But how does that work with with patients? That's very difficult as well. Um, Patients love to take pictures of their uh, nurses. Um, a, A young lady spoke yesterday about working in OBGYN and how parents want to take pictures of their nurse with their baby and they're posting them. And it puts that nurse in a predicament where if you're in a small town and everybody knows everyone, um, then people are going to be asking that nurse about, oh, how did the delivery go? Or questions about that patient. So it's very difficult. And and I think we have to get to the point to where we routinely make sure we're not crossing boundaries. Even with patients wanting to take pictures of us, we know that we should not do that. We know that we shouldn't um, post anything, but sometimes we have to remind patients that you may want to do that. But again, for me and my profession and what I do for you, that's not a good idea. Now you said something, we know that we shouldn't do that. But my question to you is, do we know? Um, do, do you think, uh, that nurses fully understand what are boundary violations and not? Because I think that it's a topic that needs to be talked about a lot Mm -hmm. more in, in our healthcare community and not just with nurses. This happens with physicians. This Mm -hmm. happens with, um, nurses aides or Mm -hmm. physical therapists or any person that is taking care of you. Um, there has got to be a clear delineation of where Mm -hmm. You end as a healthcare professional and they start as a patient. There has to be that line there. You're correct. Um, we should know. We, we, we talk about we know right from wrong. But again, you're, you're absolutely correct. Unless we start training our healthcare professionals routinely about professional boundaries, we get comfortable we, we need to be reminded of how we need to function in front of our patients and, and maintaining those boundaries. Because with that, we can't, we, we may gain trust, we may gain um, confidence, but what we will lose is so much more when we cross those boundaries. And sometimes we may destroy families and we may destroy our own family. And so you're absolutely correct. Um, in correcting me, <laughs> because it is it is true. Um, I, a young lady came to me after the talk yesterday and said she had never heard about 
professional boundaries, what that was, what it looked like until the session yesterday. And that, and she's been a nurse for over 20 years. And that should, that should tell us all that as uh, in the corporate world, in business ownership, in the healthcare professional uh, arena, we have to talk more about this and we have to educate, educate, educate so that there are not nurses in this industry for 40 plus years that has not been told what a professional boundary crossing is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Um, I do want to bring up one other type of uh, boundary crossing or violation, and that's um, entering into a relationship with a patient. Now, wow. this is a really sensitive topic, but mm -hmm. it does it does need to be talked about because this actually does happen, and I think it happens a lot more than we realize it. So can you talk a little bit about the the problem of developing an intimate or sexual relationship with a patient? So with that, saying that, you're absolutely correct. Um, I heard a story yesterday of a um, patient's caregiver had a relationship with the care the patient's husband, mm. um, and she was supposed to be providing that care. So this affair occurred, and with that, the nurse did resign, but also ran away with the patient's husband. And in turn, that patient's husband left his wife, stopped insurance on this patient, and that patient no longer had coverage for their therapy. Wow. So that, that's a full circle synopsis of an occurrence. So no matter what, whether you, um, when, you're, when you're having a relationship with a patient and you're caring for a patient and or a family member, it is extreme misconduct. I mean, we are legally held liable with at being a professional with a license and entering into a relationship with someone we're taking care of because we have all the power. And so that it's, it's, it's extremely concerning. Uh, but we have to realize that that's not something that um, should happen. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It always does come back to who has the power in the relationship. And it's not a matter of male, female. Mm -hmm. um, it is a matter of who is the healthcare provider yes. and, and who is the patient. And we yes. always have to remember that. Yes. Um, what I want to talk about now is how do we prevent ourselves from crossing these boundaries? What are some strategies that we can use when we're starting new patients, when we're seeing new patients? But also I want to talk about if you've been taking care of a patient for 10 years and at this point you realize, wow, I have been crossing boundaries for the last 10 years. How can we back out of that without hurting the patient's feeling or making mm -hmm. the patient feel that, you know, you're distancing yourself? How, how do you extricate yourself kind of a little bit from that situation? Wow. Of course, it's going to be hard. Um, my personality would be to call it like I see it. And I would, I would, I would sit down with the patient and I would discuss that issue. I've been taking care of you for 10 years. I've learned something new about our relationship. And I believe I've crossed some boundaries. And I would apologize for that. This in no way means that I don't enjoy taking care of you, that you're not important to me. But I need to set up the boundaries so that I don't harm you and that I don't do something 
that could potentially cause me to lose my license. So I think in that scenario, you have to own it. But I also think as new patients come on and starting patients, you set that expectation. You talk about what are the needs and the goals of that patient care. And when those little instances pop up, let's say, for example, you show up at a patient's home, the infusion goes longer than necessary, they offer you lunch. It's okay to accept lunch that time. Thank them for that and and then help them know before you leave, I plan on bringing my lunch the next time because this visit could extend the next time. And make every effort to make sure that that patient doesn't feel obligated to take care of you every time you come to their home. That's such a good point. That is such a great point because patients do. They feel like you are doing so much for me. The least I can do is provide you a meal, is to do something nice. But really, it is not not the expectation. And we need them to know that they are going to get the same level of care whether they give us lunch or not. And you're, that's such a good point to bring up because I think that happens a a lot. Mm -hmm. One other point that I wanted to make too, as we're caring for patients, you know, um, we ask how our patients are doing. Uh, they tell us that's what we're there for, but also when they ask us how we're doing, we need to minimize the information we share. We should not share intimate details about our lives. They don't need to know that my aunt broke her hip and, oh, wow, I got a call over the weekend and I don't know what I'm going to do because she's going to need to come and live with us. They don't need to know that. You can say, yes, I have a husband. I have two kids. Thank you for asking, but move on. The intimate details of your life are not the patient, should not be given to the patient. So they, they turn around and start worrying about you and, ha- and concerned about the events in your life. Yeah. And I've heard so many examples of nurses that have shared financial difficulties with yes. patients. Oh, I owe the IRS. Oh, I've had a horrible financial yes. fall. And patients actually feel like it is their job to lend you money or, or give you money. They want to help you, but you're exactly right. You, if they don't know those details, mm-hmm. they won't have any sense of obligation that they need to do something to help you. So that's Absolutely. a great point to bring up. Absolutely. So the last thing I want to talk about is what are some of the potential consequences for boundary violations, boundary crossings? What can happen to a nurse? What do we need to know about, uh, the consequences of these actions? The consequences um, for um, crossing those boundaries would be not only are you um, causing that patient's life to somewhat be disruptive, um, as well as um, you're, you're you're causing a patient to have to depend on you, but also legally a nurse could lose her license. She could lose her livelihood. Um, I believe that Um, When you think about the consequences, what are the goals of that patient? If we try to do everything for that patient and not provide them resources, then we may not be doing anything for that patient because we're only providing what we can. And when as a whole, we can provide so much more. Um, So the consequences could be we may be failing that patient at many levels, Uh, but also as a professional, we could destroy our own lives. Yes. So consequences can be anything from a reprimand all the way up to permanent revocation of your professional license where you will never have the ability to practice as a healthcare professional again. Absolutely. And I think that 
that should be an eye-opening statement right there yes for yes. everyone because we take for granted these simple things we we look at them as simple gestures of kindness mm -hmm. when you think about possibly losing your ability to practice in your field for the rest of your life hopefully that will make you think twice about these types of relationships and types of things that we're that we're doing for yes. patients absolutely well i think that's all the time we have for today uh iris thank you so much for spending some time with me. This was a really, really informative session, something I think that we need to talk about, as I said, a lot more. Mm -hmm. So yes. thanks for joining us and thank you to all the listeners. Mm -hmm.